Hi, and welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream and podcast, try number two for November 3rd, 2022. We had a little technical difficulty, which you, if you're listening to this as a podcast, will have no idea what I'm talking about because this will all be fresh and new for you. But if you're watching live, you know that we're 10 minutes late because we got kicked off the air by some technical issues. But we are back, and I am ready to talk about week nine in the NFL with, as always, Mike Tanier. And Tom Gower is joining us this week. Uh, He is our Tennessee Titans expert, and we'll be getting to the Titans as the last game we cover. As always, I am Aaron Schatz, Editor-in-Chief of Football Outsiders. As always, if you are watching us live on YouTube or Twitch, please make some comments and ask some questions. We love to talk to you about this week's games. And if you're listening afterwards on the podcast network, please subscribe to the show and like it and tell your friends all about it. All right, week nine. Let's start with the Chargers at Atlanta. And as I was saying uh, before we discovered that we were not actually live, uh, first of all, this is one of the week's two most important games for playoff odds. The Chargers get in 75% of the time if they win, 52% if they lose. The Falcons, 56% of the win, and 32% if they lose, which gets us to the idea that the Atlanta Falcons, if they win this game, are over 50% to make the playoffs, and they're 20th in DVOA. It's not like they're a good team but they're kind of an average team. What on earth is going on here? It's really valuable in the NFL to know who you are and to play to your strengths. And the Falcons, you know, and I see that all the time with Tennessee. And, you know, Arthur Smith, former Titans offensive coordinator, he's taking that same sort of very specific sense of identity, playing his team exactly to that identity. And it's, successful and it's successful enough yeah tyler algier and uh and uh sorry huntley caleb huntley we don't care we're a running team and that's what we are doesn't right. matter who the backs are and they're in the and they're in the pistol and they're in like diamond formations and they've got keith smith at fullback running and it's run 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 take the shot when you've brought the safeties up however long that takes it's been very successful Yeah, and they're not, I mean, they were early on, they were throwing a ton to Drake London. Now they're throwing less to Drake London. They finally started throwing to Kyle Pitts more. There's a surprisingly amount of Olamide Zacchaeus. And also, I think Mariota has been better. I think we all wrote Mariota off because he had half a bad season in Tennessee three years ago. But the fact is, his career is much closer to average than you would think. But it's filled with... He's hurt for like eight right. weeks. He comes back. Yeah. Plays Somehow it's been eight weeks and he hasn't gotten hurt yet. Right. But, yeah, that's the really unusual point. Um, I can, of course, go into too much detail about the way his time in Tennessee ended and he's and how frustrating he is. But Arthur Smith has experience with him from Tennessee and he knows how to get Marcus playing within the best of himself. And, it, you know, with their commitment to the run, his legs are a valuable weapon. Yeah, I think what it is, is if you think of Mariota as guy we spent the number two pick on, he's a massive disappointment. Right. If you think of Mariota as dude off the scrap heap who's wasting time with us until we play Desmond Ritter, he's surprisingly good. Right. 
And he's, but he's definitely good within that system. You're right. They're using his legs a lot. They're not asking him to challenge defenses with his arm a lot. When he goes over the top, it's on a play action bomb yeah. or one formation. I, I will point out Mariota is above average in DVOA on deep passes this year. And a lot of those are play action bombs. The mm-hmm. Chargers defense is 28th in the league against deep passes. Oh my so God. that is a weakness that Mariota and London and Zacchaeus and Pitts can attack. You know, one of the other things I was looking at is the Chargers defense is also uh, 22nd in the league on second level yards and 32nd in the league on open field yards. They're giving up 6.05 yards per carry to running backs. So I think we have the formula for how the Falcons are likely to play this game. They're likely to look for explosive for those explosive plays in the run game and then the occasional deep shot likely off play action. Yeah, and and they established things early in a series. Atlanta's offense is actually number two in the league on first down. Hmm. And the Chargers defense is number 27 in the league on first down. Meanwhile, in Chargers country, Keenan Allen got more injured during the bye week, which is a very Chargers thing to do. Welcome to, you know, relying on a 30-year-old receiver, by the way, when you're like, this is our number one. I don't know. He, I don't believe he practiced yesterday. And without yeah, Allen. Looks like he's not playing this week. Looks like he's not playing this week. So we get this new version of the Chargers offense built around the injured Justin Herbert and the rookies on the line and the lack of receivers, which is so built around passes behind the line of scrimmage. That's really kind of difficult to watch. Yeah. It's all the receivers are hurt. The Chargers offense is only 28th running the ball. They're 11th passing the ball, but now they have to go out there without Williams and without Allen. It's screen after screen after screen. Eckler leads the league in uh, targets behind the line of scrimmage. Eckler leads the league in uh, yards behind the line of scrimmage. I have the numbers if I can dig them up right now. Uh, But it's so much of that. And when they're not going to Eckler, they're going to with wide receiver screens. Oh, by the way, Eckler passes behind the line of scrimmage. 35 of 38, 239 yards, two touchdowns. That's a lot of just screens and, and flare passes. Yeah. The and the Falcons are better in coverage against running backs. They're weaker against wide receivers, but the wide receivers for the Chargers in this game are, is Josh Palmer and Michael Bandy and DeAndre Carter. Oh, God. I don't even know who Michael Bandy is. I just know <laughs> that there's a guy named Michael Bandy, and he plays Michael wide Bandy is for the Chargers. I, I, I hate I hate I hate that we're leading this with this game. I hate this game. I hate this game. I hate the Falcons. It's an important. The thing is, it's an important game. You may hate the Falcons, and we may all be so frustrated at this point with the Chargers. But this is a one o'clock game and an important game. It's a ten a.m. Pacific time game. Oh no! (laughs) No Chargers on the road at ten a.m. I haven't pulled that one up. The Chargers morning game record, which used to be terrible. Nowadays, that's almost always baked into the spread. But I I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh God! I have to pick. No, never, never bet on the Falcons. I got a rule. I mean, if I had to bet in this one, I would. Go, the line is three. I would go Falcons plus Falcons as a home underdog. Falcons plus three. It's with the state of the Chargers, and given that the Falcons know who they are and what they want, and what they want to be, it's you know. I don't want to bet on either of these teams ever, but. I guess I would take Falcons plus three. Abstaining. 
I mean, I still think Tampa Bay is going to come back, and we'll get to them in a second. I still think they're going to come back and win the NFC South. I don't think the Falcons are going to the playoffs. But. There's no sustainability to what the Falcons are doing. Again, if you want to tell me, oh, eight, you know, nine and eight because of the schedule and things like that, there's no real sustainability. This team has a lot of work to do. And you're right, Tom, especially in the NFC, know thyself, Giants, Seahawks, mm. not the Lions, not the Cardinals. We'll get to them. But know thyself, get you wins. And that's what the Falcons are doing. All right. Next big one o'clock game is Buffalo at the New York Football Jets. This is the most important game of the week for Super Bowl odds, basically because it has Buffalo in it. The Bills make the Super Bowl in 50% of Sims where they win this game and 42% where they lose. Yeah, the Super Bowl odds are a little insane this year. Because the Bills and Eagles are so far ahead of every other team when it comes to the odds to be the number one seed. It's, just like, it's the Bills, okay? It's a bit like the Sims just it's like, come on, Bills. It's Bills. Meanwhile, the Jets make the playoffs 72% of the time if they actually win this thing. 43% of the time when they lose this game. The Jets are 11th in the league in DVOA. They are a top 10 defense with top 10 special teams with a defensive player of the month and Quentin Williams, like you said, really good special teams, including Barrios as a return man. Let me ask you, what would you do at quarterback? If you were the New York Jets, you, you sat through that game last week, Aaron, certainly Tom, I'm sure you've seen a little bit of the uh, Zach Wilson circus. What would you do right now for the rest of the season at quarterback? If you're the New York Jets, here's the crazy thing I would do. I would play Flacco. I would be like, you know what? We've got a shot to make the playoffs. We know that Wilson is not the guy. Like, at this point, I think you know he's not going to be the guy. You might as well go for that shot at making the playoffs with the guy who's going to have, between White, Wilson, and Flacco, who's going to have the least amount of variation in their play. Like the least, like the least chance of playing really well, but also the least chance of playing really badly is going to be Flacco and lean on the defense and special teams, and let's see if we can make the playoffs and then somehow trade up and get a good quarterback for the draft. I don't know what playing Joe Flacco gets you unless you basically just need a playoff appearance to save your job, which is assumably not the case with Sala and Joe Douglas. (laughs) I don't know. And I think there might be – If you go – if. If you lose because you play Zach Wilson and he screws it up, then you have a clear point to this is not your guy. Is you know, you have a reason not to be because what do you do with uh, Wilson if you go if you play Flacco, you end up eight and nine and miss the playoffs. You have to get rid of him for nothing. You You didn't. You gotta get rid of. I mean, Wilson's not going to. I mean, I don't. No one thinks Wilson's going to develop right now. That's the problem. No one has any confidence in Wilson. I worry who in the locker room has confidence in Wilson right now. That's the thing you might want to look at and say, do these players need to look at this and say, we're playing well enough to win. Guys in the defense, we're playing well enough to win. And it's Looney Tunes. On and the receivers are playing well. The receivers are playing well enough yeah, to win. You already have Elijah Moore. You already got Elijah Moore saying, I, I don't know. I can't get the ball, whatever. Like, you know, what are the, what's Corey Davis going to think when he gets back? What are the linemen going to think? That would, that's actually my concern with this. Uh, yeah. You know, the locker room aspect, I haven't followed the Jets closely enough to know if, you know, they like, if players in that room like Wilson and right. 
think you know they're okay playing with him or if they're just sort of like we'll we'll play some quarterback. <laughs> don't, for, don't forget by the way, Chris Strebler is on that roster. And Chris Strebler is like the 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 man of the hour for Jets fans right now. Oh, he's a guy who played in the CFL and runs around a lot. He's not a real NFL quarterback. Give me a break. He could do the Taysom Hill with Joe Flacco. They could, they could, they could have Stevler as the backup and bring him in for certain downs. Yes, that would work. Stevler on third and one. Yeah, there you go. Do the Andy Dalton and Taysom thing. Get to Tom is dying inside listening to us right now. (laughs) This is, you know, this is why I talked about the Falcons knowing who they are and playing to their strengths, as opposed to. we're just engaging in a bunch of in a bunch of nonsense just because then, you know, we think we should. We'll, uh, we'll get to these questions that people are asking once yeah. we're done with this game. I will point out the Bills kind of have a little bit of a weakness uh, where they were so amazing against deep passes last year. And with the safety injuries that they've had, they are only 13th against deep passes this year. Unfortunately, Zach Wilson is below average on deep passes. <laughs> do you think? Do you think he's below average on deep passes? What about when he has 11 seconds to throw? Is he below average on deep passes? <laughs> he probably throw it to one of the Bills. Um, the Bills' offense, this is interesting, is only 24th in the red zone, despite being really good on the rest of the field. The Jets' defense is only 30th in the red zone, despite being really good on the rest of the field. So those are matching weaknesses that probably won't last because that's the kind of thing that regresses to the meat. But I thought it was interesting. Uh, do you have run pass splits in the red zone, Andy? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't have it open. Okay, sorry. Because uh, uh, I wonder, you know, because the Bills are not really... They're running, it, they're, they're running in the red zone is really awful. Yeah. Yeah, that, um, I, that, that was my guess offhand, but I just wanted to confirm that because they are not a... You know, they, their weakness is they're not great at power football. In the, I don't think they've been great at the four-minute drill. I wonder who I know will help. I wonder would help in the red zone is so swing passes to Naheem Hines. It's very, very Colts logic there, yes. Uh, George Howard says Zach's rebuttal, and I assume you mean Zach Wilson's, yeah. I don't care about stats. He says, uh, I would say that is apparent. Yeah, he also added age ain't nothing but a number. So, oh, by the way, Randy, uh, throw throw the odds in on that four lagger because it's there's a lot there. Yeah, we need to know what the odds are before we respond. On that? But we, before we get to that, your play of the week. This is the Mike Tanier nine thousand million dollar play of the week. Bring it on. By the way, by the way, I'm down minus one hundred. I got a win with that backdoor cover by the Packers. Thank you for playing the cover last week, uh, uh, Greg Lafleur. But my 12 million star lock of the week this week is lost because I can't find it in our notes. It is the Bills money line and under 47.5. Same game parlay at plus 120. I want to point out that the Bills Bills games are one and six against the over. They've gone under more often than not this season. You can probably figure out why the Bills are dominant, but that you saw what happened last week. Uh, they, they, they let up late in the games. They don't necessarily, you know, step on the gas like the old Patriots would do late in these games. And the unders tend to be pretty high. It's up 47.5 right now. I didn't want to mess with the spread because it was bouncing all over the place in the double digits. So go with something safer. Looking at something like 
you know, 31 to six or whatever and, and get an easy win out of this uh, at plus 120. That's my play of the week. Uh, the other play you sent me, and this is great. <laughs> Zach Wilson over 0.5 interceptions is at minus 245. That's yes. how much. That's how much they are expecting Zach Wilson to throw at least one pick tonight. That's but not right. tonight, Sunday. Uh, yeah, usually that number's around minus 110, minus 120. It's just so it's always 0.5 to say, is he going to throw an interception or not? That's the problem. Minus 265 says, we're giving you no juice on this. Because I was eyeing that one up. Like at minus 160, I'd throw it into the pot. Minus 265, I, I'm worried at that point that like he gets strip sixed in the first quarter and we see Flacco and then you just lose the bet that way. Yeah. Under, I would go the under, under uh, the, the consensus under, by the way, DraftKings has 47 and a half. The consensus at Vegas Insider is now 46 and a half. And I would still go under, uh, but I would go Jets plus 12 and a half. Okay. You think you, I think this is going to be more like uh 20 to 10. I forgot to mention that the Jets defense is quite good and they are going to get some stops in this game. So you're right. Uh, that's a big number to lie. And I have not studied the Jets in enough detail to really say, to really go into detail on how they match up with the Bills. But it's, I'm having a hard time seeing the Jets just be proficient enough on offense even with their non-quarterback strengths i'll take bills minus 12 and a half ah so we a split decision from the fo staff on this one yes we all think we all think it's gonna be almost the same kind of game except tom's a little bit more yeah tom's a little bit more like 27 to 10 yeah (laughs) yes yes yeah or 31 to 13 yeah that's what i was worrying about right somewhere in that range uh we did take a couple of questions here Yeah. yeah kate smith uh, wants to know if he should trade Jonathan Taylor and Debo Samuel for Stefan Diggs. Well, here's the question, actually. Who becomes your running back if you trade Jonathan Taylor? Because in reality, the trade is actually Taylor and Debo for Diggs and whoever replaces Taylor on your team. So who is that? Right. Yeah. Taylor's so- Taylor's injury and the whole thing with the Colts does scare the heck out of me right now. I agree completely. Their offense, their offensive line has been miserable this year. Uh, it's uh, Zach Kiefer of The Athletic had a piece, I think it was today, where he talked to uh, Andrew Whitworth and Brandon Thorne. And I think Thorne summed it up best. They're playing below average players at left tackle and right guard, and it's hard to get away with two weaknesses on the offensive line. Uh, he says Kate Smith has Etienne, Swift, and Pierce. Yes, do that deal. Get Diggs. Yes. I agree. I would say trade Taylor and Samuel for Diggs if those are your other running backs, given how bad the offensive line has been for the Colts. Going back to uh, Randy's question about the four-legger, I love the odds. There's a couple worries. One is Sanders and Hurts both anytime touchdown scorers. You yeah, let me just say what it is for those people who are listening on the on the podcast. Yes. Uh, it would be Mills is under passing yards, mm-hmm. and then any time touchdowns from Pierce, Sanders, and Hurts. Right, right. The two <clears throat> two Eagles runners bother me simultaneously, and three pit bulls. Pierce, while I love him, first of all, I don't know how often they're going to be in the red zone, and his goal to go averages are weak. I know he gets opportunity after opportunity, but he has fumbled at the goal line. He's been stuffed at the goal line. I was looking at Pierce. I think his over-under on longest reception was way down like 
So the idea that it's like 21 nothing and they throw a screen to Damian Pierce, he breaks two tackles, gets 15 yards. That's something I was looking at as I was trying to put together some kind of parlay today. I don't hate it, Randy, but it's I think there's too much duplication in the anytime touchdown scores. Add in that the Phillies have to get a hit before the sixth inning. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, Tanner Nelson. Tanner Nelson needs to know, should he trade Leonard Fournette and Josh Palmer for Josh Jacobs? Even though Josh Palmer is now the number one receiver with the Chargers for the next couple weeks, I think I would do that deal. PPR? Palmer's going to get bit, bit, screen, screen, screen. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. In a PPR league, maybe. Again, it partly depends on who's the wide receiver who replaces Palmer in your starting lineup if you do that deal. Yeah. Um. And Randy Miller's got a trade. Mixon, ETN, I'm assuming that's Etienne, uh, DJ Moore for Almond Ross St. Brown and uh, Austin Eckler. Walker and Eckler. I mean, I love Eckler, especially in PPR with what they're doing, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, I don't know. DJ Moore's getting the ball a lot now. Yeah, Mixon's a little overrated. The Panthers' offense don't just depend on Hail Marys from P.J. Walker. They aren't going to come over <laughs> Uh I think I would do that deal for Amon Ra and Eckler. I don't have anything together right now. Things are a little hectic in Philadelphia right now, so I, I'm not sure. I, I think I'm going to sit down right before the game and put something out. Check for us on the Discord. Yeah, the uh, Football Outsiders Discord. There's a uh, link or something at the bottom of the page. I don't know how that stuff works, but you should, we have a Discord. You should be able to find it if you're watching us, and you'll probably see me on there yelling about the Eagles, yelling about the Phillies, and begging for my parlays to work out. There's great, great discussion on the Football Outsiders yes. Discord during games. People yes. should absolutely join in. All right, let's, 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 it is free. Yes, Discord yeah. is free. Uh, let's talk a little bit, a little bit about Indianapolis at New England. Uh, I didn't watch any Sam Erlinger, so I'm not going to tell you I have knowledge, but his numbers were surprisingly copacetic. Um, nonsense. Colts make the playoffs 23% of the time if they win and only 7% if they lose. Patriots 49% with a win, 22% with a loss. Um, it, really interesting. Uh, thing about the Patriots that I discovered, the Patriots are 30th in ESPN's pass rush win rate, but second in pressure rate. They right. scheme up pressure. So okay. guys are not beating their blocks, but they're still pressuring quarterbacks at a very high rate. And one of the things that you've seen with the Colts offensive line is you can win with twists and stunts against the interior of that front. So in that case, I would expect this to be a game where the Patriots really are able to get after Ellinger and really the Colts really struggle to move the ball on offense. And Taylor ran all over them last year, but it's a different offensive line now. It's a, a different court. I mean, as much as Wentz was not good, you can stack the box even more against Ellinger. Taylor is not quite healthy. So even though the Patriots' run defense is uh, 27th in DVOA, I don't know how much the Colts are going to be able to run, run, run all over them. The one thing they should try to do is get Ellinger involved as a runner. We saw what Justin Fields was able to do. 
Yes. You have a problem with yep. speed and containment there. Ellinger is a runner. They did try, they were running some read option type stuff with him. Open up that section of the playbook. Otherwise, Belichick, if, if Ellinger's in the pocket, I think we saw most of the scripted stuff that, <laughs> that they've got ready for this guy last week. Okay. If Belichick can sit there and say, oh, this is what he's going to do from the pocket, the Colts will get destroyed. Get destroyed. It doesn't yeah. matter how many interceptions Mac Jones e- makes. Even though, even though, they have such a problem with mobile quarterback. I mm-hmm. would definitely go Patriots minus five and a half in this one. Oh, it's way down at five and a half. Yeah. I'll still take Patriots minus five and a half. I think they're just going to, this is one of those games where it's like, Oh, we're facing a opponent having a complete, a complete crisis across the uh, organization right now. That's what the Colts yeah. are having right now. Let's just, let's just pound them. Uh, yeah, unless the Patriots come out and lay an egg like they did in last year's game, they, I, I would think they'd cover five and a half. And uh, interestingly, the over-under number is 39.5, and our formula goes slightly under, even though that number is super low. It's way down with a, a, not a rookie, but almost a rookie quarterback, and with Mac Jones serving up sacks and interceptions, we're really in points and turnovers range, points off turnovers Mm -hmm. range. I would really start looking towards the over if I wanted to bet that game. Uh, Four o'clock. Los Angeles Rams at Tampa Bay, biggest game of the week uh, in that it is, first of all, the most important game for playoff odds. Rams, 35% with a win, 14% with a loss. Buccaneers, 61% with a win, 36% with a loss. And two, looking at the schedule before the season started, they decided this was such a big game, Tom Brady against the defending Super Bowl champions that it would be nationally televised. So this is the CBS late game across the entire country, even though it's a uh, NFC game, it's on CBS. Hmm. Uh, doesn't look as big now as it used to. <laughs> what, is, what else is at 4 o'clock this week? We have... Seattle at Arizona is the other four. Eh, there's, only two, there's only two, one, one on CBS and one on Fox. That's fine. The Cardinals just make me sad. So I'll... I'll watch Brady versus Stafford. We'll get to Seattle and Arizona in a a second. But this game, Tampa Bay is number one against running backs as receivers, which the Rams never use. (laughs) So that's the first thing that I noticed. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's a weird stat. The Rams are 30th in DVOA against wide receiver one and wide receiver two. But remember, DVOA is an efficiency stat. It's a rate stat. It's not mm-hmm. a total stat. If you look at the number of yards they've given up, it's 89 a game to wide receiver one mm-hmm. and 28 a game to wide receiver two. So they're really just they're shutting down wide receiver two, except the occasional target gets a completion. Yeah. And it kind Isn't of that, it's sort of interesting. Like Zacchaeus went three for three for 41 yards. There's too much Zacchaeus in this podcast. I like call, to say Zacchaeus. I just like to Galen say the rules are coming in on Zacchaeus at some point soon. Or just and and uh, the thing I said about the Patriots and pressure rate, the Rams are the exact opposite. Okay. They cannot scheme up pressure. They are third in pass rush win rate, but mm-hmm. 31st in pressure rate. Okay. So they are just winning. But they're then, winning their blocks and then not getting to the quarterback. Right. Uh, you don't have average time to throw against the Rams defense, do you? Not on hand, no. Yeah. What do you think? Is I, 
because I think because I'm guessing that's part of it is that team is that you know Aaron Donald's still really terrific, but it's the coverage needs to be a little bit better to force the to force the not throw. Yeah, and teams if teams are throwing quick against the Rams to avoid them beating blocks, the Bucks throw very quick. Yes. Yeah, Bucks have a very small time to throw right now. Right. So with that, with their offensive line struggling with the replacements that they have, like Brady is getting it out quick. It's worth pointing out that while Cooper Cup and everyone says that ankle's just fine, he did not practice uh, on Wednesday. And I've heard everything's just fine from the Rams on injuries enough over the last four years to know we should be keeping an eye on Cooper Cup and his availability. If Cup is not playing, that line moves. Right now, Buccaneers minus three. Right. So I would say like tomorrow afternoon, folks, if you're looking around at the lines, you'll you'll know what Cooper Cup's real health status is because that thing will crater. And it's really worth keeping an eye on. Um, The uh, system has no pick at all. On Bucks minus three, I would take the Buccaneers minus three. Uh, subjectively, I would agree with uh, Bucks minus three. I almost want to lock it in now, based on that concern that I have about about oh, him. Uh, yeah, and by the way, a quick thing about over unders. I don't know if we're going to talk about that one in this one, but Buccaneers are two and six in their games trying to go over, and Rams are two and five. These are two teams that, not surprisingly had high overs earlier in the season because of Stafford and Brady and all the, the shootouts they're supposed to be in. Um, and they've been going under. However, this line has crashed way down. This over it's under 42.5 right now. Yeah. 42.5. Yeah. yeah. It's, is anything other than, uh, uh, is anything other than Colts Patriots below that this week? I don't know. I don't know. I'll take a quick look for you. Are, are you, are you really looking for some, some over uh, action here on something low. Uh, no, no, it's just a sign of you know we think of these two, we thought of these two teams would probably have good offenses, but you know they're in the same neighborhood as uh, Panthers Bengals in terms of you're right over under verbatim. This forty two point five on Panthers Bengals, forty on Colts Patriots is the lowest. Right, so this is a sign of you know everyone catching up with the idea that the great quarterbacks and staff or whatever you consider him in terms of quarterback. It's not happening this year. Yeah. Uh, Randy Miller says off topic answer when we can fantasy wise, how do you feel about Amon Ross St. Brown and the lions offense after the trade of Hawkinson? I don't think it changes anything because I think that the value of the lions offense was a little exaggerated by some of those early games but for the most part it's built around their offensive line and the fact that their defense sucks so bad that they're going to be chasing points in a bunch of high scoring shootouts so i don't think getting rid of hawkinson changes the fantasy uh forecast for amon ross st brown at all i feel i was just looking him up i I can't get the slot numbers up right now but you know 10 targets last week 12 and 12 in the earlier games, that, that's sort of where he's going to be. I'm on Rod's going to be a 10-12 target guy. What happens is, for whatever and reason, golf is, yeah. Yeah, and golf is not a dynamic enough quarterback that he'll that losing one of his key targets will mean he'll necessarily reroute throws to the other target. He's he's too he's too much of a system guy for that. 
Yeah, I'm wondering now where those touches do go, but I don't think it's not like they're, you know, I can't imagine. Apparently, they go to, um, I think his name is Miller. There's a rookie tight end that they're very high on. Norman, he's going to get a lot of, um, he's going to get a lot, not Brock Wright, but their other tight end. James Mitchell. James Mitchell. I I don't like being caught off guard by the name of somebody who's from Virginia Tech. I'm drawing a blank, even though he was a fifth round pick this year. Apparently he's a big uh, yak guy and they're high on him and they're going to be giving him some targets. I, I went to pick him up in Scott Fishbowl this week. I haven't looked yet to see if I actually got him. Fair enough. I had Fair Irv enough. Smith before, so I, I dropped Irv Smith and went to pick up Detroit tight ends. Good call. Uh, let's talk a little, a little bit about Seattle at Arizona. Uh, a shocking mismatch by DVOA terms. Seahawks are sixth and the Cardinals are 30th. Uh, mm. Seattle won 19 to nine in week six. They only played three weeks ago. And that was the game with that weird Michael Dixon punt abort. Yeah. Sort of aborted on its own, whatever the, what that was without that, it would have been 19 to three. I cannot believe the Cardinals are favored in this game. Oh my God. You're right. (laughs) What is happening? Uh, Um, the Seahawks seem like so much the better team right now. Like I'm buying into Gino at this point. Uh, for for the purpose of uh, not dysfunctional in the same way the Cardinals are unquestionable. Yeah, I mean Gino may not be the sixth best quarterback at the end of the league at the end yeah. of the year, but I'm buying into Gino as a top twelve quarterback for this year. For this year. <laughs> Okay. I mean, you put me at 12, I can probably be talking about All the numbers. See, all the stuff that you usually write about, Mike, Uh that this is how they're holding the hand of the bad quarterback, Uh doesn't apply to Geno. They're totally dependent on play action? No. uh, uh, All all short passes? No. Throws deep a ton. Uh, Film people uh, look and go, well, his decisions are bad, but he's in a good scheme? No. Film people love what Geno is doing this year. Like, Everything points at the idea that this is is for real. Useful Title wants to know if Vegas thinks that Kyler Murray has stopped playing Call of Duty in order to prepare this week. I don't know. See, my kids don't play Call of Duty, so I'm not on the rhythm of that. Uh, Mine was playing, it wasn't Dark Souls, but a very Dark Souls-like game for the last couple of nights that just came out. I know there's a new Sonic coming out very soon. So, so I don't that, know. that's what your kids are plugged into is Sonic. That's what, yeah, we're not Call of Duty uh, players, <clears throat> Yeah, you have to ask somebody younger. Like, uh, tune in when um, when Kale and uh, and Jackson. Kale and Jackson do their show tomorrow. Yeah, Jackson, yes. Jackson and Kale at one o'clock tomorrow. We'll, one we'll o'clock do their show and then ask all the video game questions, and that might be it. But uh, and but Tom, from what you said earlier about the Falcons, the know thyself added uh, thing, that's what I see coming away from the Seahawks. So this is a team that's going out there. We're going to run three tight ends. We're going to have this very interestingly structured offense. Gino's going to play exceptionally well in it. And that's what's getting them over the hump over and over again. this week. I'll point out that Arizona is second in the league in blitz frequency, but Gino Smith is eighth by ESPN QBR against the blitz. Only four quarterbacks have faced more blitzes than Gino Smith this year. And he's played well against them here. It's again, it's all the numbers are like, 
say all the numbers say this is for real, except for Geno Smith's past performance. Like everything else is like, this is real. This is real. This is real. And we know his receivers are good because those new ESPN catch score things love Lockett and Metcalf. Love them. They are making plays for him. That's um, so really quickly. We are we all on Seattle on this? Yes. yes. Seattle with points. Yeah, Seattle yes. with points. Yeah. All right. Let's talk. Let's finish up then with Sunday night. Tennessee at Kansas City. Um, Titans make the playoffs 91% with a win, 77 with a loss. Chiefs make the playoffs 93% with a win, 80% with a loss. Uh, let's start with you're paying more attention to this than us, but from what I know, they do not yet know if it's Tannehill or Wilkes. Uh, we, yeah, that's, that's right. We don't know. Um, the Titans Wednesday report, Wednesday practice reports are completely meaningless, unfortunately. Uh, Thursday is a little bit more meaningful, uh, but we really won't have a good idea until Friday. Um, I would keep an eye on the line and see how it moves over the week. Um, I feel like Titans plus 12 and a half has it built in the idea that this is 50-50. Because yeah. I feel like this line would be smaller if I feel like the line with Tannehill, if we knew it was Tannehill, it would be 10 or 11. I agree. And I think it's gone up a little. And I don't know if you have the opening numbers available. Yeah, it started but at gone- like 11 and a half and then it went to 12 and a half, I think. Yeah, it's gone up a little bit. So this is they're not optimistic that we're going to see Tannehill or that Tannehill is going to be or we may see him a little bit like on third downs, but he's we're, you're not going to see the same element of mobility that he was able to take advantage of in the game against Indy before he got hurt. So um, Titans are 10th in defensive DVOA this year. The Titans are 21st in first down DVOA. They are 30th and second down DVOA, and they are first by a. Yeah, so that is the kind of thing that is not going to last. <laughs> that I'm, I have been hesitant to pay in, to talk about that too much just because it feels like the sort of thing that has no chance of lasting, but I've been waiting it for it to, you know, sort of like. Re- rationalize itself for a couple weeks now and it hasn't yet and i've been tempted to blame you know matt ryan the week before he got benched davis mills carson Wentz. you know we're not seeing a murderer's row of starting quarterbacks and guys who are known for their great decision making (laughs) or their ability to execute the decisions they do make in the case of ryan and you know the titan schedule when i you know broke it down before the season they they're playing five Difficult road games. Uh, they So far, they've played one of those. That was in Buffalo in week two. They got annihilated. So mm. they played Kansas City. Now they ha- And in the future, it's Green Day on a short week, Thursday night in a couple weeks, and then uh, the Chargers in Philly. But this is – and, you know, Aaron, you've mentioned before they're, uh, they're really good against short passes. They're bad against deep passes. But, you know, part of that is the teams they've played and their ability to – the quarterback's ability to consistently execute and their ability to threaten all areas of the field. That was one thing we really saw in the Colts game is that they could really just load up on the short passes because between the Colts offensive line and Ryan's, Ryan's arm strength, they weren't worried about throwing deep. And Ryan threw, threw only one pass more than 15 yards downfield that game. Wow. 
Uh, facing Mahomes is a different sort of challenge. They have not seen a marquee PE uh, like Travis Kelsey yet this year. And even, you know, and I trust Andy Reid's ability to scheme up yak throws better than I do, you know, Pat Hamilton's or Frank Reich slash Marcus Brady's the past couple of weeks. How's the pass rush going without um... – uh, Harold Landry is hurt, Harold but Landry. Bud, Bud uh, without Bud Dupree, uh, they were bad. But Dupree was back last week. It's been really good. Jeffrey Simmons is living up to the hype as maybe yeah. the best non-Aaron Donald defensive tackle in the NFL. I think he's currently uh, second or third in ESPN's pass rush win rate, uh, up there with Chris Jones. Yeah. Um <clears throat> This, you know, the Titans really do have a chance. This will be a good test for the Kansas City offensive line. That's the matchup you, that you really want to keep an eye on this week. Um, the Titans offensive line is playing a little bit better, but Dennis Daly is playing for Taylor Lewan at left tackle. That experiment is not going well at all. Um, it's not an experiment. Their left guard, Aaron Brewer, is still 275 pounds. I would line up Chris Jones over him regularly um this is not a you know what we saw when the titans won a shootout with the colt with the chiefs in nashville in 2020 when they won the shootouts with the bills uh, when they scored a bunch of points on the bills the previous couple of years is they had offensive aspects that they just don't really have right now uh aaron in your preview notes for the show you mentioned the chief's weakness against uh wide receiver ones uh especially with willis but even with Tannehill, robert woods is more of a complimentary receiver he's the number one in name only he's not that threatening i don't exp- and then just thinking back on when i've seen the chiefs play this year it's been a lot of outside and perimeter players who've had success against their chiefs cornerbacks and that's not what the Titans are going to try to do on offense i would not especially with willis i would it's the titans this would be almost a game the titans they might try a little bit but they might just say okay we'll just We'll just maintain our commitment to our identity this year, mm-hmm. this game, and see how far it takes us. And it's probably not, it's probably going to be end up like as a real shot of ending up like the Bills game where we were looking at backups by the late third quarter. But weird stuff happens. Uh, we thought the Titans, I can't remember if you had me on, but we thought the, the Titans went into LA against the Rams last year. They forced a bunch, Stafford made a bunch of mistakes. The Titans ended up dominating that game even though the offense didn't do much. And, you know, yeah. that's the ideal scenario for this Sunday, but I'm Tur- laying the points. Tur- turtle up and hope the Chiefs beat themselves. It's good. Yeah, and the Chiefs' run defense is better this year. Right. So that's less of a – that's less of a – like Derrick Henry running all over them is less of a sort of a possibility, I think. And I, I, I'm a believer that Wilson – excuse me, Willis can have a future in the NFL. I liked him in the Senior Bowl, et cetera. Watching him in the preseason, watching in that in that game, this is a kid from Liberty, who was in a, a scrambling offense at like a mid-major level. Have you seen anything from him that suggests he can get out there and do anything besides like a splash play every half? Um, I would expect them to use. I would. I thought they'd use him as a runner against the Texans on Sunday. They did not really. He probably yeah. they probably had opportunities to do more with him as a runner. I'd expect them. If we see him this week, then I'd expect to actually see that. Yeah, yeah, I think you're, but, I think you're. Uh, there's, it's a real. He's a real work in progress in in yeah. the past game. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, so, I, you know, if Tannehill plays, I would go with Titans plus 12 and a half. But if they announce that Tannehill's playing, I don't expect it to still be 12 and a half. Right. If you're locking in now, you have to make the decision now. And I would lock in now on the Chiefs side of that because there's just, like you said, this is a team that just looks like they almost will punt on this week. Not, I mean, obviously, that's not how they're thinking, but like the reality of it saying, like, there, there's this is not going to happen. Um, and let's get Tannehill healthy and see if we can make a run later in the season. Yeah, Julio Jones is, uh, is hurt still. He is questionable. No, he played. Uh, he practiced today. He did practice today? Okay. I yeah, he played that. last week, and he practiced today, but I wouldn't and count on any kind of breakout because they still have Godwin and Evans. Also, he's washed. I mean, there's that. I mean, come on. How many, how many years of Julio being on the injury report? Every other week, and then coming in and having two catches. How many? How many more weeks of that do we need, folks? Julio's yeah, going. that if you're, Chill is asking about whether Julio Jones is set for a breakout. I think you just don't want to take the chance that he's going to get injured again. Right. Right. All right, that does it for the show, folks. Uh, big week of games, despite by Mageddon. Don't worry, be happy, says Mike. Sponsor, sponsor, Aaron. Oh. Underdog Fantasy, absolutely. I thought you were going to say sponsored by the smiley face. From <laughs> Be happy. Bet with Underdog smiley Fantasy. Face, the smiley face Fantasy. was invented right here in Worcester, Massachusetts. It's true. Really? So, yeah, Underdog Fantasy, which I promoted at the start of the show that was nobody heard because of our technical issues. They are our sponsors, and you can double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. Play their Battle Royale, which is a fast six-round weekly fantasy football draft with easier chances to win than traditional DFS sites. Or try Pick'em Games, where you can easily pick a player's chances to go higher or lower than the projected stat line, even in states where traditional prop betting is not currently available. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around. You can join the fun at underdogfantasy.com or... Download Underdog in the App Store, and don't forget, use promo code OUTSIDERS to double your first deposit up to $100. Don't forget also that we are here with live streams every day at 1 o'clock Eastern, except next Monday. We're off. We're off next Monday. But most days, 1 o'clock Eastern, I will be here Tuesday with the DVOA data show, looking back at week nine in the NFL, uh, one o'clock Eastern again. Uh, Tom, thank you for joining us. Thanks for bringing me on. Mike, always good to have you. Always great to be here. And I will be on the Discord tonight, talking Eagles, maybe talking Phillies, probably drinking, definitely gambling. Eagles, Phillies, doubleheader tonight simultaneous doubleheader tonight. We'll see you on the Discord, folks. Link below the show on YouTube, and uh, we'll see you then. Have a great week night.